Hey, this is Adam Lowy, founder and executive director of Move for Hunger, and you are watching to learn how to embrace your change and navigate through disruption as a leader. Then listen to Leadership is Changing podcast, my good friend, Dennis Giannoutis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Listeners, it is now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And listeners, I have a great guest on today's show. His name is Adam Lowey. Adam is the fourth-generation mover whose family has owned a moving company for nearly 100 years. After seeing so much food go to waste... He launched the Move for Hunger to mobilizing to mobilize moving and relocation companies to rescue food during the move. Now, to date, Move for Hunger has delivered, now get this, over two no, over 20 million pounds of food to food banks, enough to provide more than 17 million meals to individuals in need. Adam proudly represents the New York City hub of World Economic Forums global shapers community where he attended the forum's annual meeting in davos in 2015 in 2014 he was honored among forbes 30 under 30 and in 2011 he was honored at the vh1 do something awards for his commitment to creating social change adam a big welcome to you to the show thanks so much for having me yeah, great. Thank you. Hey, so adam i'm giving a quick more brief introduction on you tell us a little bit more about your background um, yeah, so I, I grew up uh, in the moving industry. Uh, I got to work on a moving truck growing up, which is what you do when dad owns the moving business. Yep. I don't recommend it. Don't go work on a moving truck. But I gained kind of a really great appreciation of, of that side of the industry, that, that um, you know, part of life early on. I went to college. I graduated with a degree in marketing, which has always been my passion. And I ended up getting a job for an event marketing company. Mercedes-Benz was our big client. We did all their sports marketing. So the Masters, US Open, great gig out of college. Uh, But eventually I just found that I was setting up golf tournaments for rich people, which was not really how I wanted to lead my life. I I felt like purpose was missing. And, you know, in terms of Move for Hunger, like it, we never really meant to start a nonprofit. I didn't know anything about hunger. I didn't know anything about food waste. If you would have asked me 11 years ago, if I'd start my own organization, I would have told you you were out of your mind. But here it was, people every day, you know, when they're moving, they're, they don't know what to do with the food. It was a common question that came up, like, what should I do with this? Or they were throwing it away or they were leaving it. So we, we really just started by asking people if they wanted to donate it. We were there anyway. And right. um, 
brought it to the food bank at that time before hunger was born. Yeah, wow. Wow. Oh, that, that, and that's a tremendous sort of service that you're doing, and it's just a great idea. And, yeah, sometimes these ideas are just sitting in front of us. We just don't – we're not expecting to do it, and, and then it sort of pops out. But hey, going back to you, when you are saying about being on the moving truck with your dad and helping out there as a kid and so forth, is, was, was there one or two things that you learnt um, in relation to about, you know, working with your dad and, and what it's like to be, you know, uh, as a kid working with your parents and things like that? Did you learn anything around that? Yeah. So, so one, my, my dad who worked with his, uh, his twin brother and my other uncle. So kind of got, I got a lot of family early on um, and they were, they were incredibly entrepreneurial. You know, the moving business was core, but they built other businesses around it, warehousing. Um, They, they built some self storage. They, they really tried to do new things Um, and learning and seeing them try ideas, succeed in some and fail in others. Um, but still find ways to have success. I think that was really important. And then physically being on the truck um, and doing some of the the grunt work, as you'll call it. A, I think it was super humbling because even though, you know, my dad was the boss of the company, like I was no better than anybody else that was out there. And I think that's really important to to Mm -hmm. be able to, as you're growing a business, be able to do it all um, and and know that like every single role within, within a company as trivial as trivial as you may think it is in the moment, until you do it, that's really where you get to understand where the opportunities for you know doing better really live. Yeah, yeah, great. Because the reason I asked you that question is that very similar to my background as well. We grew up in the coffee industry, and uh, at the age of seven, here I was at the shop working with my parents as well. And um, so I think for for myself and. Um, I learned a lot working in that environment around the family, but also, as you said, you know, there was the boss and there was my role. I had to do things and it wasn't anything special in the sense of I didn't get any special treatment because I was the son, right, as you're saying. But then the other thing too is I think the biggest learning for me was uh, seeing the struggle that they went through and having their business and, you know, every day it wasn't rosy. You had to sort of hustle and so forth. But then the other one was the work ethic. And I think that was really quite strong for for us as being taught about work ethic and then getting on with things too. So, yeah, I mean, fa- fabulous uh, sort of uh, experiences, um, which, which has been really good. So question for me is how did you get into leadership? You know, what was sort of your background then? Yeah, I think I think it kind of happened accidentally, to be quite honest. You know, certainly I was I was involved in in college um, and took some leadership roles in student government mm-hmm. where, where I could, which was always fun. When I went to the first marketing agency, I certainly was not in a leadership role in, in any way, shape, or form. But you know, try try to stand out to impress your boss. But as I went into and launched Move for Hunger. Uh, you almost become this immediate leader slash entrepreneur, although you don't necessarily know entirely what you're doing, right? You're looking to other leaders, other mentors, trying to figure out what is the template process, best practice that I can integrate to go faster, better now. So I was I was very fortunate to have some early mentors through the Do Something organization, uh, when I was just getting started through my family to be able to believe in me and, and you know, and, and help build up that confidence. Because I, I remember when I quit my job, um, all of my friends thought I was out of my mind. But I, I feel like I, I had gained enough self-confidence at that point to understand that if I fail, I can always find another job and I can always do something else. But I also don't want to fail. So I'm going to I'm really going to give this my all to figure out the best way to, to make this succeed. But 
I, I think I've certainly learned a lot along the way and, and made plenty of mistakes as well. Yeah, sure. So I think here, listeners, the, the key here that Adam's sharing is the fact that we should surround ourselves with some right the right people, some mentors, identify them, get them around you to help you with your confidence, to help you see things differently possibly, and then take some of those bold moves that you might want to do, like he did with uh, about leaving his job and go off to do some other things. And it was risky, but he, did, he knew that it was more of like calculated risk because he knew he could go out and get another job. So it was really quite interesting to see and, that happen. And, and as I've grown in my career, I felt like, you know, people actually want to talk to you if, you know, mm. you don't have this crazy, crazy agenda. Like people are actually pretty open to having conversations. And on very many occasions, I've reached out to CEOs or CMOs of really big organizations and they've given me 30, 60 minutes of their time just through a LinkedIn message. You know, they... And, and I've been very grateful for those, and some have developed into some really nice friendships. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, and what I see, Adam, too, and I don't want to presume that's what you're just getting at here as well, is that the higher they are in the organization, they are humble and they are willing to actually give that time to you uh, to, to invest in people. So I think it's a fantastic thing for sure. Hey, um, here's a, le- a really interesting question for you. So um, who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or can be from history. So who's your favorite leader? And why? Uh, that that is a challenging one. I, I will say, but I, I'd say I'd say one of my favorites is probably uh, Sir Richard Branson. And I think the reason why is a I, I'm always inspired by the marketer in him. Seeing his story as like a dyslexic young boy and how he was able to start up all of these different businesses, many of which failed, but many have, have found success, while also maintaining uh, his his stance in terms of trying to create a better world and, and include some, you know, social, uh, really, really just that social responsibility into a lot of the, the core of what he's doing. So that mix has been very inspiring for me. And even as old as this guy is now, he's still going out and innovating and trying to build rocket ships. So it's, it's really been um, amazing to see. Yeah, he's a great, great guy and great to see him out there on the front of the curve trying to do things and innovate and, and keep going, which is brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant to say. Oh, thank, thanks for sharing. That's a good one, Richard. Sir Richard Bant, Branson, yeah. Hey, um, the show is called Leadership is Changing, of course. And um, well, when I actually say that terminology, what does that mean for you, Adam? Yeah, I, I, think, I think had you asked me this question before COVID, I would have had one answer. And I think we've all globally have had an opportunity to reflect a little bit on yeah. what it means to, to lead not just a company, but people um, and communities mm-hmm. like in these times. And I think really how it's changing is leaders becoming more open and receptive to creating space for dialogue um, and creating space to, to try new things. I think, I think that's, that's the biggest thing that I've, I've gleaned out of all of this is there are so many new ideas happening now because of COVID that maybe in the past people would have said that's crazy or they wouldn't have taken the risk. And now it's what's, what's the worst that could happen. And there really isn't, you know, for the most part, most business professionals are taking calculated risks anyway. So, you know, you're always trying to to hedge your your failures a little bit, but in this environment, you're going to be able to learn so much more from those employees. And if you can take care of them and make them feel invested in what you're doing and, and let them play to their passions. I had an employee recently where, you know, we, we dove into the, the uh, racial justice movement. We, we 
and because that onion's been peeled back here in the U.S. In, in such a crazy way. And we had kind of some internal town halls. Now, we're not that big. There's only 12 of us at the organization. Right. And, and now we're putting out some regular content and how it ties to food insecurity and, and food waste. And while this wasn't this um, young woman's job on my team to put that type of content out, I could see that if there was a fire burning here that she wanted to do it. I'm like, what? What harm is it to put out really great content by someone that is passionate to do this and make this now part of her role in a way that's going to enhance what we as a, do as an organization, as well as bring more value to this individual as a team member in our company? So those types of things, like finding those opportunities, that that's been exciting for me to to find ways that I can also contribute to my team members. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and the fact that you see that that person had the fire, the burn in that person and, and allowing them to give uh, give them this, as you said before, create the space for the dialogue, but also create the space for trying new things. And I love that. And um, so that's a couple of times you've mentioned about the dialogue, the communication. And I think that's really important, especially as you said, yeah, you're so right. I mean, we've had to or it's almost like we've been put into a pressure cooker and hurry up and try things because you know, life was really fast, but life was almost like it slowed down because of pandemic. But then it's also forced us to, it's almost like revealed the curtains, but got rid of all the excuses. Now just get on with it. And people have had to get on with it. But I think you're right because the dialogue, the communication, that sense of community is needed so much more now because especially when people are working from home, right? It's um, it's not that easy. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's easier for us to say that as a nonprofit where, you know, our, our job is to feed people. But at the same time, like, yes, we're getting creative. Yes, we're trying to innovate and, and pivot in some places. But this time has also given us a lot of time to reflect, right? To, to dive deep, to, to have those maybe some difficult conversations on, hey, maybe the stuff we've been doing hasn't been as effective in, in this one area. Maybe it's time to rethink and reshape that. And right. what could this look like? And I've, I've always said, I don't believe in the mantra, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if it, if it's not broken, like that doesn't mean that it can't be better. Like we should, we should be constantly thinking about ways to make our processes, our companies, our people, our culture better. I feel like that's the only way to really move forward. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if it's if it's not broken, well, then we can make it better. Nice. I like that. Very good. Hey, so based on what you're just saying there, um, I think it's quite a good segue into the next sort of question here because, you know, as you said, we've had to re- review things, revamp things, try different things. So how has your business or, you know, what you the organization got or the industry that you're in, how has that changed and what pressure has that put on you and the team? Yeah, there, there was a lot of change that was happening actually like in the fall and the winter before COVID. So already we were thinking about how we were going to adapt to industries. There's a lot of consolidation happening within moving and relocation. And I think that has also been accelerated by you know COVID as well. And we have a lot of partners in these spaces too that help fund the organization. So as consolidation happens you all of a sudden have less opportunity. You have less diversification of where you're going to bring your revenue. So we've we've tried to diversify to other industries while maintaining true to our core value proposition, which is leveraging transportation resources to recover food and get it to food banks. So before we were working with moving companies, relocation companies, multifamily uh, housing uh, companies. Now we're talking to freight companies, to farms and gleaning organizations, 
um, thinking about how we can bring refrigeration into the work that we're doing. So it's not necessarily so off the track of what we do as an organization, but it's almost creating like these really great business units that can drive further impact that makes sense with our mission. And it's been really exciting to kind of explore those things. And again, not all of them are going to work. Um, we've been fortunate to get some grant funding that, that helps us be able to be innovative because I think that was that that was not just our struggle, but I think a lot of small businesses is, hey, everyone's just trying to survive right now. That's one thing. But if you can if you can get to a level where you can once again be creative um, and take some bigger risks because you've, you're past that level of I'm just surviving, uh, it becomes a lot easier. And and we've been fortunate through like the PPP loans that that you know have happened here in the U.S. So at least for 2020, feel like we can take a few more calculated risks moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And so, Adam, well, you know, when we went into our first lockdown here in New Zealand, um, this part of the world, what we did is we we sort of were in lockdown, sort of really hard lockdown for five weeks, and then we sort of came out of it slowly, so over an eight-week period. For a lot of businesses, cafes, restaurants, things like that, they had freezers, they had fridges full of food that went to waste. And... Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that you know for a lot of countries they'll be going in and out of lockdown type scenarios. Is that something else that you would you you you're sort of been tapping into as well to help um, businesses like that? I don't know if it's been like that in your part of the world. Well, I mean, I mean, a yes. I mean, I think I think what happened is we saw how many uh, hurdles there are in managing the global food supply, whether it be the the uh, example you just provided in the workplace or at home the amount of food that gets wasted there for a variety of reasons. Or when you went to the grocery store and you couldn't buy the majority of things because everyone was bulk buying and hoarding. So we're definitely exploring ways that we can be part of that solution. Here in the U.S., uh, I don't know if you saw any of the news articles of farmers dumping milk or food just rotting in the fields. Um, That's kind of why we started working with some gleaning organizations to figure out how can we get a truck just available at that farm, get it picked up and, and get it back because transportation, these logistics are one of the biggest obstacles to food waste and defeating people. So that's where I feel like we're we're really unique and where we can try to really expand our operations. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, that's great. Hey, if there was one thing you could change your business as a leader today, what would that one thing be at a Man, it's probably well, me. <laughs> if, if there's one thing I could change, it would probably, I mean, maybe this is more US based, but I feel like there is so much pressure constantly to, I'm trying, I'm trying to word this correctly. There's so much pressure to be on all the time, on yep. target, on, on your numbers, exceeding your goals, ex- expectations. Now, don't get me wrong. I am someone that loves data. I love goal setting. I love all of those things. But I remember, again, this keeps going back to COVID. Once once COVID hit, I said, hey, everything we set for this year doesn't matter. Like, like don't, don't think about reaching your goal. Think about moving what we're doing forward and, and creating impact. And I think if we could set, take a step back and like almost put humanity first for a second and think about like, hey, what are companies doing that are driving uh, you know, better outcomes for society while also doing really good. You know, the doing good is good for business. I know, I know that's something that gets said often, but so many companies have really great resources that can be put into place. 
not just in times of struggle and disaster, but throughout the year. That's what yeah. we're trying to do at Move for Hunger is leverage resources. And I think if more companies would think about that and more leaders would think about that, we could really make the world a, a pretty a pretty great place. Yeah, I think it's spot on. I mean, that's that's part of my introduction, right? The show, they go from email to email, meeting to meeting. Just leaders are overwhelmed. And as you say, that they're always on. And that on piece is very hard for a lot of people to be able to stay like that all the time. So I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, if they can, if that was one thing we could change, it'd be good. I think it's about having a balance. It's about being able to balance well and so forth. So that's really cool. So Adam, um, I know that you've got twelve people in your organisation. I think is what you said before, and then you've also got your experiences and working in other organisations. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I think more employees today want to feel like they're more involved and want to feel like their voice is being heard. I know when I was coming up, you know, you you kind of did what you were told. You, you had to put in your time and then eventually you got to move up the, the ranks a little bit. Um, and occasionally maybe you'd stuck, stuck your neck out. Um, and, and, you know, that, that was me not being in a, a position of leadership um, starting out right out of college. But yeah. these these people that I have Working for me, I mean, some of them are absolutely just out of college, used to intern for us before, too. They're far bolder than I ever had been, um, at at least at their age. And I think they want to know that their voice matters. I I think they want to be able to contribute to the organization meaningfully. They want to make sure that we're being receptive to feedback, even though we might not always go their way. But but I think as a leader now, uh, the goal is to make sure that those opportunities exist where they get to at least have a place at the table. Um, and, and, uh, I think it's easier to do that with a small organization, um, where the, the table doesn't need to be that big to make everyone feel included. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned about the voice. I mean, how important is that for them? I'm sorry, what was that? Their voice. You talked about the voice before. How is, how is that important for people today? Yeah. I mean, again, I think, I think everyone wants, uh, everyone wants their voice to be heard. Everyone wants to make sure that they're putting their, their spin on the work that they're doing that, that, you know, in in this case, they're using their voice for impact and purpose. And, you know, I I know that I learn from my team members every single day. I learn from my interns. I I encourage it. I want, I want to know what they think. Uh, Certainly there's, there's a few leaders um, that manage, you know, some of our other team members, but even now I'm, I'm trying to make the time to connect with everybody. Again, I can do that with a small group, but in the past, maybe we didn't do that as often because we were just all meeting in the room for the weekly meeting and that was that. We're not all in a room together. So we need to figure out how to create those connection points so so that that sense of culture isn't lost either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, great. Yep, the voice is really important. And um, and I think uh, it's a great thing. So employees are expecting certain things and they sure are and they are wanting to have more of a voice which is was totally true all right so what makes a leader successful in this fast-paced ever-changing world adam a listening um i I think it's really important to be able to listen to not just the leaders within your company but but everybody within your company b being really perceptive and looking at data and processes you know that's not just for your coo to do I mean, maybe the COO can bring you some data, but but you should be looking at this too. Um, and you should share this out and ask people, hey, what what do you think of this? How would you use this? I, I, I am very, very data and metric oriented. And mm-hmm. those things tell a lot of uh, stories 
not just about our organization's impact, but also our organization's internal workings. Um, there's always ways for improvement. And I always, I always try to let people know my job is to make your jobs easier. I want to free up your time. I want you to do the thing you do really well, the best. And I don't want technology to get in your way. I don't want red tape to get in your way. All of those things exist in every company. But as, as the leader of this organization, my job is to remove as much of those blocks, if you will, um, so that this person or, and all my team members can really just power through and, and, and uh, excel. Yeah, sounds like to be an enabler, right? Moving the obstacles, allowing them to go out and fly, do what they do really well, yeah. and bring bring their A game, bring their best to what they need to do, which is which is awesome to see, right? I've got great people here. The last thing I want to do is just hold them back, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good point. Hey, um, so this one is about uh, the future. So, Adam, I'm going to get you to sort of bring out your crystal ball here and to still to sort of start thinking about the future. And the question is. Where do you see leadership being in five years? I think leadership is going to adapt. I think you're going to see you're, I think you're going to see a different type of leader emerge or, or almost more leaders, right? Like I think I think we're now all working a little bit more in this virtual environment, which is going to continue. There is no turning back. I think the days of these crazy big conferences and conventions, not, they're not gone per se, but what we've done through, you're seeing all this new content and all these webinars and all of a sudden, all these people that never got to attend all of these big, you know, fancy events are still gleaning some of the contact and still finding ways to, to network with peers or other leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I really do think that it's going to be the job of, of really all these heads of corporations and industries to figure out how do we give the majority of the workforce more leadership opportunities and how to rise to those la- like that ladder quicker, faster, while making sure they feel like they've got purpose? And, and I hope that uh, in doing so, people maybe instead of switching around companies as frequently as we had, you know, I think that has been the trend, you know, certainly not, not my parents' generation where you, you stuck at a company for 20, 30 years to retirement. I know my generation, the millennial generation, we tend to move around quite frequently. Hmm. As companies begin to kind of give their employees more opportunity for growth, professional growth, I think you're going to see people stick around a lot longer because they're going to feel more connected um, to these companies and hopefully drive you know, whatever those KPIs are for each, each business that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, millennials do move around a lot. I mean, I still sort of see eighteen to two, eighteen months to twenty-four months, you know, two years scenario. They sort of tend to move around. But yeah, I mean, if they could find somewhere, sorry, let me rephrase it. I think a lot of them actually move because they don't actually see where they can make the impact. They don't actually see or feel that right. So that's where they do move and they go and look for it and search for it. So as you said, they can find it, and it's something that's going to help them and help others then they'll tend to stay. They'll tend and, to buy. And, and not everyone's driven by money, right? Like, like certainly money is always a factor, but at some point, you know, people want purpose. People want to seat at the table. People want, you know, people just want to be feeling like their decisions matter. And I think every business, I think every leader's role anyway, should be able to make their employees feel like they matter. Otherwise, what's the purpose of having a team? Yep. Yep. Totally. Awesome. Great way to sort of uh, bring that to an end. 
everyone matters. And so uh, make sure you do uh, tap into that and help them feel like they matter and that they're actually part of the impact, right, which is really, really important. So, Adam, uh, thank you for sharing that. So it's uh, it's been really awesome to have you on the show today. If our listeners, Adam, are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Aloe. I'm not a hard man to find. <laughs> okay, awesome. Hey, Adam, once again, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, listeners, uh, as the episodes are being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating, and feel free to share with your network, with your family, your friends. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or if there's a question you want to ask me on the Ask Dennis freestyle episode that I do once a week, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Team, just a reminder that uh, the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, is available for you to join if you haven't done so. Please come join that community. As uh, Adam was saying, that it's really important for us to be around the community, and it's a community of leaders who are getting together, and we're talking about Leadership is Changing and helping support each other. So check that out. Leadership is Changing. It's on the Facebook. It's a group, and uh, we look forward to welcoming you to that group. Uh, as well. All right, team, uh, it's great having you on the show today. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.